0: Welcome back to Revive School. And uh, hey, my name is Ryan Schrag, and I'm one of the team members here with Time to Revive out of Sarasota, Florida. It's an honor, actually, to be here and uh, just breaking open the Word of God with you all. You know, today we are in Lesson 81 out of John 13. As we're studying this, it's awesome that, you know, the Word of God, and I hope you all are, are digging deep into this. I know you are, but in a society that where everything changes, There has to be something that we come back to that is a foundation, that is a bedrock that never changes, that doesn't flow along with society. And we know that that's the Word of God. And that's why it's so important that we're digging into it and we're knowing it's becoming a part of us and that Christ is getting revealed in our lives and we're living it out. So, super powerful. At the end of John 12, then, he establishes the fact that Jesus basically said, the things that I see my Father do, this is what I do. When I hear my Father, this is what I speak forth. We're coming into a section of Scripture that, that I'm excited about because this is Jesus's, it's almost like His farewell address to His disciples. And as we look back, you know, when we were studying the Pentateuch, we saw that different key players in the Bible had farewell addresses. So we would see guys like Moses and Deuteronomy he would be preparing. He's like, I know my time is coming to an end. I need to prepare you for what's coming. Joshua, as we're going to study a little bit later, does the same thing. And we see even Paul doing this. When we get to the book of Acts, you'll see there comes a point to where he knows his end is coming. And there's, there's hugging and then there's all this. Jesus knew this was coming. And so he spent this time preparing his disciples for what, what was about to come. And so there's three parts of this chapter that I want to look at. Briefly, I want to look at the first part. Number one is the fact that he begins this, he's talking about love. So the beginning of chapter 13 is going to start with love, but then it's going to also end with love. And I'm going to get to that at the end here. So, but he loved his own even till the end. At the end, he's going to talk about how now I'm going to give you a new commandment to love each other. And that's more for his disciples. It's going to say, you're going to actually know that you're my disciple by how you love each other no greater love than this he says actually in first john that you would lay down your life for the brethren so well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit but there's a part of this that i want to camp out in for a little bit and that is starting in verse 3 so kevin if we could jump to verse 3 it says jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from god and was going to god how many times can we read over scripture like this and and we just blow through it. But this is such a key verse. And I actually want to camp out here for a little bit because there's something of when we're talking through John that Jesus was the, like the son of God. We know that and we know who he was. And, but there's something about this whole thing of our identity of knowing who we are in Christ that that Jesus got, that he knew that he was a son. According to, to Scripture, he knew that the Father had given all things. So Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew what he had. And then he knew where he was going. And the reason why, and we know this is like in Matthew, if we could just go to Matthew 3, starting at verse 16, Kevin. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And it goes on to say, And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And you think about that, even what that did for the Son, What? how must that have been to hear the Father speaking identity into Christ, because... To say, you know what, this is my son, this is who he is. And by the way, I'm like well pleased with him. I'm super pleased with him. He goes on and he says it another time when he was transfigured on the mount. He said it again, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased with him. Now listen to him. And you guys know that. I mean, I'm sure you speak that into your, your kids, just letting them know that they, they're secure in the fact that they're, they're your children. They're your son. They're your daughter. It's not because of anything that they're doing to gain it, it's just simply because who they are. And I think the reason that is significant, and why, where I want to go with this is this. How many times do you and I, we, we think that maybe following Christ is about having our sins forgiven. And we, and we just wait there, and we live the rest of our life not understanding who, that our identity is in Christ and just shifted. So we live the rest of our lives maybe seeking to find our significance in so many other things. And, and the reason why this is so powerful is he has given us everything that we need. Just the same as Jesus did. He said, You know what, all things had been given to him. If you want to look at a couple more verses, Kevin, jump with me over to um to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Not only did our was our sins forgiven at the cross, but Jesus at that point changed our identity So now that He doesn't know He no longer wants us to walk as orphans. He says this, I want you to walk as sons and daughters. And this is Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. And it goes on to say, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to glory and virtue. So this is basically saying He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So this this is something that we have to actually line up our identity to say, you know what, I'm no longer who I used to be. Now I'm walking as a son, and what I need to hear is constantly what the Father is speaking into me, like He's well-pleased. And, and maybe for you, you, had, you didn't have a Father, you don't have a Father that spoke those things into your life. And I think it's significant, if we're going to walk this out as the way that Scripture wants us to, that we have an understanding of who we are, that the Father's speaking that into your life, that you are, because of Christ, because of what He did, you're my beloved Son now. You're my beloved daughter. Like I am super pleased with you. Because when you know that, you will walk differently. You'll carry yourself differently. You'll carry yourself with an authority of understanding. Wow. I have been given all things. My identity shifted. Therefore, I'm going to walk differently and I'll carry this out differently. First Thessalonians says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. This is awesome understand this, listen to this, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Then one more verse, therefore comfort one another with these words. So I just want to comfort you with these words even in this teaching. You know where we came from. Through Christ you now know who you are and we know where we're going. So therefore, how can I, how will I walk differently knowing who I am? Well, you know what? That's going to make me walk maybe with my, squ- my shoulders squared looking forward and saying, wow, I'm a son of the living God. It's amazing, is it not? I mean, even look at just a couple more verses and I'll go on here. Look at Romans 8, starting at verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, who are led by the Spirit of God, you guys? Sons of God. Sons of God. Basically, those, exactly, those who have given their life to Jesus, who has said, I want to make you the Lord of my life. I give you everything. We become, we we have the Holy Spirit then. We are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. It goes on there to say this, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So if we are living in bondage and we are living in fear, you understand something, that's not a part of your inheritance. That's coming from the old life that we needed to get rid of. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So his spirit is bearing witness with our spirit The Spirit Himself, yep, thank you, goes on to say His Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In other words, He's crying out that, listen, you are no longer who you were. Like, you have a spirit of adoption that says, I went after you, I sought after you, and I found you, and now you call me Abba, like Daddy. There's this relationship that's super special, that's awesome, that's really where my identity flows from. Therefore, I don't have to seek it from other places." Because when we do that, when we live as if, as an orphan trying to find out where my identity lies, even as a follower of Christ, we can do this. I will look for it over here and I will try to gain it from here and I'll have this constant roller coaster of high points and low points because I haven't really figured out who I am. He's like, you're a son. You're a daughter. I've given you all things. When Jesus said this, there was was a lot packed into that statement. He knew exactly who he was and he knew exactly what his mission was and he knew where he was going with this whole thing. The last verse, Ephesians 3.20, and then I'm going to move on. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It takes faith to believe, you guys, the first part of this verse He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We would say, yes, amen, I believe God is able to do that. But I think what He is looking for is those who would line their identity up with the second part that says it's according to the power that works in us. If I'm going to walk in that power, I need to learn to receive that and know who I am and walk in that. And so I know that that's what I am learning, and Lord willing, that is what you are learning, because if we're going to walk this out in these days that we have been given to live on planet Earth, then we need to understand that identity and that power flows through that. And So let's go on to verse 4 out of John 13. So Jesus, he rose from the supper and he laid aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself. Verse 5, next he poured water into a basin And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel, which he was girded with. Understand what's happening here. Normally, when people would gather, let's just say they're gathering at a person's home, there would be a servant that would do this. A servant that would come and, oh, you've been walking. We're so glad you're here. Would you come and let me just wash your feet? Because their feet were dirty. It was the act of a servant. Why did Jesus step up and do this? Understand something. He was right at a point where he knew that he was going, that what he was going to walk through. He was going to be hung on a cross and he was going to rise again. He was preparing his disciples for this next part of their life. He was preparing them to take leadership of what was coming. What were the disciples thinking? Where were they at in this whole process? Well, look at, Kevin, jump over to Luke twenty-two twenty-four. 24. This is a discussion that they were having as disciples coming even before the upper room. It says this, Now there was a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Jesus knew that this was going on, right? This was the conversation the disciples were like, hey, I don't know, is Peter going to be the greatest? I don't know. John called himself one of the, the, the beloved, the one that Jesus really loved. Maybe he's going to be the greatest. And you see Jesus just calmly just rising up from the table. I mean, imagine this. He gets up, he goes and he grabs a towel, puts it on him he pours some water and he just begins to go to the feet of the disciples and he starts to model actually what greatness looks like in the kingdom he's like you want to know what greatness looks like you want to know who's great in the kingdom well let me show you what that looks like and it's like wow is that not the opposite of of the society that we look that we live in even here in America, like man, greatness comes by knocking people out of the way. Let me go after this thing. Let me let me grab it. Jesus like, let me model greatness for you. Kevin, could you please go to Matthew 20 starting at verse 25? This is where Jesus he actually talks on greatness. He says this, but Jesus called them to himself and said this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them goes on to say, Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, just as the disciples were talking about, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. So let's actually go to verse 28. One more. And says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, listen to this, He did not come to be served, but to serve, to give His life a ransom for, for many. So Jesus just sits down there And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. For number one, they weren't going to do it. They were trying to figure out who was going to be the greatest. So Jesus like, I will show you greatness. On the board here, I just want to put this down so we just have this down. What Jesus was demonstrating is this whole thing of understanding his identity and sonship. And the third thing that he was communicating here is just this whole idea of Humility. When Jesus actually got down and, and washed the, the disciples' feet, it did several things for them. It showed them not only this is how we are to conduct ourselves, but it also then showed value. Whenever we serve somebody, what it does is projects value onto that other person, right? We know that, right? That I want to value you so highly that I will actually serve you. So in order for me to be able to walk in that, I need to be secure in who I am as a son, because when I am, when I'm secure as who I am as a son, I them am free to walk humbly and I can actually come up under other people and lift them up and I can show value and portray value into their life simply because I'm so secure in who I am as a son. Jesus did the same thing. He said, you know what? I love you guys and I want to not only model humility, but I want to love you so much and show you how much you are valued so that you get lifted up. And I think, wow, what a model and as I look at my own life, I'm like, Lord, show me more and more how I can just come up underneath other people and honor them and show value into their life. And so there's a quote from uh, Andrew Murray. He's one of my favorite authors, and he has a book a, a book called Humility. And uh, he's referencing uh, this out of 2 Peter 3.18. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge. You don't have to go there. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Andrew said this. He said, we are growing in knowledge, but not in grace. Humility is the only soil in which, is, which the graces root. In other words, the goal of our school in digging into the word of God is not simply that we're going to grow in knowledge, but we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge. So if we're going to grow in the grace, if we're going to understand the power that the Lord wants to, to release, that is all in the soil of humility. Everything grows out of the soil of humility because it says here in 1 Peter 5, 5, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive one, an- one to another and be clothed with humility because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Then it goes on to say this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You guys, this thing of humility Is probably one of the largest, one of the greatest, most powerful subjects we could talk about, because in and through it, God's grace flows. If we want to truly see His power at work, it's going to come through our lives only through the soil of humility. Because according to Scripture, He's actually going to resist the proud, but He will look for the humble. He's like that's somebody that I'll flow through. That's somebody that I can fill. Jesus modeled it. Although He had everything, He took Himself to the place of a servant and, and model that. He's like, now these disciples, I want you to go and do likewise. So as we jump back into this, I love Peter. Don't you guys love Peter? His zeal, his passion for the Lord. Um, it's just like things just like did not have a filter. They just kind of like flowed right out of his mouth. And so when he when he saw this, he's like, Lord, I, you're, you're going to wash my feet? I mean, in verse, verse 6, he questioned it like, Wait a minute, you're not you're great. Greatness does not wash feet. And Jesus is like, yeah, it does. Greatness takes on the form of a servant. So go on to verse 7. Says, Jesus answered, What I'm doing you do not understand, but afterwards you will. Verse eight. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. This is what Jesus' reply was If I do not wash you, you do not have you have no part with me. And then what's Peter's response? Then Simon Peter said to him, well, Lord, then, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. In other words, if you're giving stuff out, man, I want it all. Just just give me it all. So he, he didn't have an understanding, but he knew that the Lord was giving something that he wanted, but he's like, okay, then, then just wash me all over. And I love Jesus' response here because I think it's pretty significant. In verse 10, Jesus says this to him, he who is bathed, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. So what did he mean by that? Here's what he was saying. He's like, Peter, you. when we come to Christ, we know that at that moment, our sins are forgiven, right? That's clear. We come to Christ and say, Lord, I give you my life. I make you the Lord of my life. At that moment, our sins are forgiven. We become the righteousness of God in Christ like the slate is clean. Every sin we've ever committed, everyone... In the future as well, it's all wiped clean because of Christ's sacrifice. We get that. It's almost like there was a a cleansing, a bathing that happened. We're bathed all over. As a matter of fact, Kevin, could you go to 1 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 9? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. What does this look like that we are bathed all over? It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Then it goes on to say this, nor thieves, nor covetousness, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a long list. But then he goes on and says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Those are amazing verses that says, man, this was your old life. You were involved in a lot of junk. But Christ came and He just washed you. It's like this bathing, this, this cleansing that happened. As a matter of fact, Titus talks about it starting in verse 3. Titus 3, 3 says this. It kind of goes on to talk about this, this bathing. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing and the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when Christ comes... Yeah, go on. Which He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. So I love this. When Christ came in, the Holy... When we gave our life to Christ, the Holy Spirit came in and there was a a, a washing. So what, what Jesus was saying is this. Peter, you don't need to be washed again. You were washed once, but there needs to be... It says... You don't need to be completely washed again, only that your feet. Now, there are things that happen when, as we walk through life that the Lord will continue to point things out in our lives that we need to just repent of and say, you know what, that's something that I need to get adjusted in. And so what I'll do is just say, Lord, I'm sorry for that, I repent, help me in that. And that's almost like a washing of our feet. It's not like when we sin again afterwards, we completely lose our salvation and we need to be washed completely again. But there are sometimes things that would defile us that we just need to be quick to say, I want to let that go. If I, maybe I see a root of, of pride coming into my life and I see the way I'm reacting to somebody or I see that I'm not coming up and loving somebody and the Lord will point that out. It's almost like a ceremonial saying, I need to wash my feet again. Look at what even throwing back to the Old Testament. We learned about this. Kevin, if you could go to Exodus 29, verse 4. We saw that the priest, Aaron, at the consecration. You guys remember this? He says, And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. There was like a, a washing at this consecration that happened, this cleansing that happened. But that's the only time that ceremony like that happened. Then after that, look at Exodus, go to 30. 18 to 21. After that initial cleansing, that doesn't happen. It says this in Exodus 30. No longer did they have to do the complete cleansing. It says, you shall make a, a, a laver of bronze with its base, also bronze for washing. You shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. You shall put water in it for Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. So that was them coming back into the temple. This just cleansing of any kind of defilement that would could, could come from it. So, what what Jesus was saying is when you come to Christ you are bathed all over that this this cleansing this this feet washing is actually another symbolic meaning of just being just being clean before the lord because he wants to speak to us you guys know this and we don't want to have anything in the way that's going to just kind of impede our our communication with the Lord and how He wants to hear from how we we hear from Him and how He wants to speak to our hearts. And so you guys know that sometimes when there is there's things that are happening in our lives, there's unconfessed sin, that it, it makes us walk in in we're not confident. We're not hearing from the Lord. And he just says, you know what, come and wash your feet and be clean. So let's move on here. What I love is is this. And, and he was preparing them for this next season, what they were going to walk in. And if you look at um, verse 12 in, Matt, in John 13, it says, "So when he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments and he sat down again he said to them, "Do you know what I have done for you? I don't know what I have done to you." And they began to talk about it. And then it says this, "Go to 14, Kevin, if you would. So if, so if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet." you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I, done, as I have done. He has given us an example. Now, he just didn't say, Now that I showed you this, now you have this knowledge. I'm glad you have this knowledge. But He actually says, Now, I want you to actually go and do this. But here's what I feel like he was meaning. This is more than just saying, I actually just want you to go through the motions of a ritual feet washing. But I, this is what he was getting to. This needs to be your heart of humility. This needs to be, have your identity as a son, so that you can come in humility in all people and just come up underneath them and walk in, in complete humility. So, Jesus was never after outward, necessarily outward expressions without an, a heart transformation. And how many times can we act like we are doing the outward? But inwardly, you know, Jesus even calls out the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He's like, you all are just a bunch of whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, you have a certain appearance, but inwardly, you're full of dead man's bones. He's not saying, just do a foot washing so you can give the image that maybe you're humble. He's actually saying, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Like, take on humility as the very foundation of all that you do. Wouldn't it be cool, we've talked about this before, if in church sometime that we stayed on a certain subject until we actually got it. You're like, Hey, it's week 13 of learning about humility, because this is something that we almost have to go down and take out the very roots. Cause sometimes pride is rooted so deeply in us. And, it, and I tell you what, for me, I can tell you the same thing, man. There's things that I just, Lord, I am sorry. That's just, that just came out to me. Like you cut me off in traffic. How dare you? Basically what that's saying is, don't you know who I am? Like, like, all of this is rooted in this, like, okay, Lord, I just need to get, just to back up and say, I need to walk in humility. Why? Because I want to be one, and I know you do too, who the, the, the grace of God flows completely through. We know that's in the soil of humility. So I know I'm camping out there a lot, but I think this is so very, very important. If we want to be all that Christ has called us to be, number one, we need to know who we are. Number two, walk in complete humility. And that's more than just saying a prayer And and thinking it's just going to happen. That's something that daily I'm like, okay, Lord, free me from that. Okay, thank you for showing me that. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, it doesn't say, man, you're blessed if you know these things. It's so great that you know this. Isn't it great that you're storing up this knowledge? But it's like you're actually the blessing comes when you actually start to do them. If you could go, Kevin, to James chapter one, there's a quote from Tom Constable that I just want to read. And I thought this was very, very fitting. Jesus wanted to make sure that they were actually doing this stuff. And, And you guys know we've talked, Kyle's talked time and time again. This stuff is about, yeah, we're learning, but if we're not applying it, we're missing out on what he's talking about. This is to transform our lives. So Tom Constable says this, says, there is a form of religious piety that utters a hearty amen to the most stringent demands of discipleship, but, but which rarely does anything about them. And we know that according to, to James 1, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It goes on to say this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and he goes away and immediately forgets what, what kind of man he was. But, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This one is blessed in all that he does. So jump back to 22, verse 22 in James. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Then what it says is deceiving yourself. It would almost be better for me if I did not hear something rather than if I learned something and I heard it and I did nothing about it. Almost like there would be a layer of deception that would come over me. So Jesus is like, do this. Your, the blessing comes when you do it. So there's a lot. There's a lot packed in here. There's a lot more we could talk, out, talk on here. It goes on to say in the, the rest of this that Judas, Judas then goes on to, to deceive Christ. He, he goes out into the darkness. And um, we know that story. So continue to read this. There's a lot here. But, but Jesus, he just wants you to know that you're a son walk as it. You're a daughter of, of God. Just walk as it. Walk in that confident and walk in humility. So thanks for paying attention. Thanks for being a part of this. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.